Amen. Good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Cord Doss. I am the uh, Minister of Connections, Worship, and Life Groups here at Timberlake. And I want you to imagine something with me this morning, okay? So imagine this. Uh, you're driving, and you're gracefully determined to get down the road, okay? Um, it's the end of the day. Uh, you are maybe on the way home from work, or you're on the way home from school, or whatever it is. But you're going about five to six miles per hour over the speed limit, depending on who you are. Um, but uh, uh, you're, you're getting down the road, okay? And you're, you're maybe you listen to your favorite band, or your favorite music, and you're kind of rocking out a little bit, singing. That's probably what I'm doing. Um, but uh, so you're, you're going, and then here comes that person, you know, that, that person who's going about 10 over, okay? And they're, you're on 460, by the way, and, uh, and, and they have kind of caught up with you, okay? So they're, you know, you're here, and they're, here they are, and they for some reason forget that there's this other lane <laughs> they can pass you in. Uh, they forget that they have the ability to pass you. Um, so then you kind of get frustrated, okay? You get a little angry, a little, some madness sits in. Uh, but you don't know them, so you start to judge them by the make and model of their car. Um, you, you, you look at them, you're like, maybe this is a young person, or maybe this is an old person. And they just don't know that there's a left lane you can pass in. I don't know. And then you do the most unloving thing, um, and you just tap your brakes suddenly and kind of just let them know, hey, hey, get off my rear end. <laughs> or, or here's another scenario. So uh, you're on 460, or you're pulling onto one of those ramps on 460, and you're kind of getting up to pace, okay? So you're speeding up, and here comes that other car that's already on 460, and they're, they're still in that right lane, and they seem to forget again that they have this left lane they can get over in. And so you have two options. You either speed up and kind of get in front, or you slow down and kind of get behind. Both of those options have some words and thoughts that I'm not going to say this morning, of course. But I want to tell you the truth. That's me, Okay. <laughs> I struggle with road rage. Um, I, I'll admit, I, and you can ask my wife, I, 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 I'm very impatient. I'm not loving. I'm not grace-filled with these horrible, horrible drivers that are on the road. Like, makes no sense how they could be so bad of drivers. But I just forget that they're, they're real people. You know, they, they have lives of their own. But I struggle with it. It's, it they make me mad. Like, they... they it, it's just one of those things. I, I, I forget that they're my neighbors, you know? They're your neighbors as well. Church, welcome to the last week of our series called Made for a Miracle. Um, over the past few weeks, we have, uh, we've heard the stories of cost. Uh, we've heard truths about um, how we are involved in the miracles of God. And we've heard instructions on how we must be willing to step out into the miracles that God lays before us. Uh, so this morning, we're going to look at Scripture um, the scripture verse this morning is John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Um, you can follow along in your Bible or on the screen behind me as well. Let's read this together. It says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. May God bless the reading of, and understanding of his holy word. So if we look at this verse in John, uh, Jesus gives us a new command. Um, he gives us a new commandment, a commandment. He says, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. See, it says everyone. Um, it doesn't say love your family, love your friends, love your community, love your state, love your country. No, it says love everyone. Flatline, period. Love everyone. See, we struggle with seeing um, someone we don't agree with. We struggle um, as people seeing who, someone who has wronged us or someone who we don't even know at all as 
maybe being less than us. We struggle with not being, being able to see them as worthy of our love. So the way we see someone, the way we love people, really depends on how we see them, um, it, how we connect with them, but how we also look past that connection as well. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. See, this, this, this problem we all face, we all struggle with, we think it really might come down to the way we picture God. Our picture of God determines um, how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive others. Um, but we know that our picture of God has kind of been construed. It's been construed by our current society. Um, it's been construed by um, our history, uh, our, our society's history and its worst characteristics. Um, it's construed by the, what we grew up on, um, how culture has changed. Um, it's, it's all affected the way we picture God. Uh, so we're going to talk this morning about a few ways that, that many people in our lives, in our culture, um, picture, envision, uh, would describe God. The first is a God of wrath or scorn. See, an Old Testament saying, uh, I know we've all heard it, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Um, people, a lot of people still harp on that. They still put a lot of weight into that, that, that scripture. But Jesus addressed that in the New Testament and, and said that we were love, to love our neighbors. We were to love our enemies. See, a God of wrath and scorn makes wrong people have wrong or bad things happen to them. Next is that God is an ancient white male. See, some people view God as an ancient white male as portrayed in many medieval European paintings. Um, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, this gorgeous painting, is one of those. Um, but many complications of the way we picture God has come from this distortion. Uh, we see we have racism still rampant in our country, in our world. Um, we have um, huge sexist discrimination all over the world. People are not equal because of their race. They're not equal because of their gender. See, we, we see a God who is a white male, and that's how we then project on how we see people, how we love people. Next, we have a tribal God. See, if you look at our current political division in the U.S., and even in the Christian church, we are divided. And because of this division, uh, we have sides. Um, we are so divided that we picture a God who is for us, but is against the people we are against. Oof. See, author Anne Lamont gives an excellent example of this misrepresentation of God. She says this, you can safely assume that you created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you hate. Whew. That's what a tribal God looks like. Then, some people, um, they would see a God as a cosmic traffic cop God. So they're driving carefree. There's a driving theme here for some reason. I don't know. But there's, they're, they're driving carefree. You know, one hand, one hand out the window, unbuckled. They're getting it down the road, and all of a sudden they see in the meeting a cop come up. So they go, 10 and 2, buckle up, slow down. And this looks nice and slow. And they're looking out their rearview mirror, looking out their rearview mirror, looking out. They didn't pull out. Okay, cool. Unbuckle, speed back up. And they're back to where they're not doing anything wrong. They're not looking for God. Um, in the rest of their life. They're just looking for him in when things are going wrong or when they have made mistakes. But because of that, I mean, think about this. How many people view God as a cosmic traffic cop God, but they feel they can handle the majority of their daily living without relying on him at all? And they only need him when, when, they're, when they're troubled, when things are troubled. Church, I know, I think we all know our God is bigger than that. Amen? See, 
God loves the lost, okay? He loves the broken people. He leaves the 99 to go after that one sheep. He's like the, the father of the prodigal son. We know the story where, where he's, he's wrong. He's done so many bad things, but he comes home, and God runs towards him, picks him on his shoulder, and takes him back home celebrating, celebrating so much that he, he throws a feast for his son. That's how much God loves us. He throws not just like a good, you know, like a crown sterling meal. He, he like goes like Ruth Chris, you know what I'm saying? Like the top of the line, that's the first thing I can think of. You know, like the good stuff, he throws the best feast. No matter our mistakes, no matter our past, that's how God's love is for us. But see, how many of us are missing this party? How many of us are missing the feast because of a distorted understanding of who God is? about his relationship with and, and about his commitment to us. See, to participate in the party, all we have to do is ask. It says in Matthew 7, verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. See, we all have invitations to the party, but all we have to do is understand God's love for us and realize we are always invited. Everyone is always invited. So our mission, our mission with this miracle of love is to bring God's party to the neighborhood, like to bring the party to our neighbors, bring, bring God's love. Our part in this miracle of love is to take God's love to the neighborhood. And we know God loves a party because again and again in the Gospels, Jesus talks about banquets. He gives a great representation um, in Matthew chapter 22. Let's read this together. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. See, even then, they refused. They didn't want to come. They, they didn't want to take part. So as a result, this is what the king does. In verse 9, so go to the street corners and invite anyone to the banquet. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. The good and the bad. Wait a second. You mean the bad as well as the good? Like the riffraffs? Like the, the shutouts? The, the, the burnouts? Yes. Yes, see, see for we are all dressed in the love of Christ. We are all covered in the mind of Christ. We are clothed in that. But we have to make a commitment. We've got to be committed to carrying out the miracle, the mission of Christ. Not just to our family, y'all. Not just to our, our friends, our community, but to everyone. See, we believe that there's two, two symptoms, okay? So there's, there's practically two symptoms for God to execute love to others, but through us. See, God's miracle of love starts, starts vertically, okay? It starts vertically, and then it becomes something that's horizontal, all right? So we're going to talk about those two things, but listen to this. God does this miracle in our lives, but not just for us, but through us as well. Right, that first symptom, that first symptom is the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Galatians uh, chapter 5, starting at verse 13. It says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It says at the end, 
walk by the Spirit. Using the Holy Spirit is the key to living a life of love. This is the vertical, the vertical aspect to the miracle of love that God lets us take a part in. See, it goes on in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The first fruit listed is love. So love for others is a fruit that, that grows in our lives by His doing, by the Spirit. Somehow he makes it happen. It, it's, it's not going to happen without him. And when it does happen, we don't get the glory for it. God does. See, let's look at this. The Christian life of love is a supernatural life. It's, it's not this normal life, okay? The Christian life of love is not produced by merely human forces. It takes resources that we do not have. So this is hard to understand. This is kind of hard to admit, okay? See, left to ourselves on our own, without the Holy Spirit, without this vertical aspect, we cannot love. But this is very encouraging because what it means is that if you're sitting there, okay, you're sitting there and you're feeling like, by nature, I'm just not a loving person, okay? I'm just, just don't have that in my nature. Don't worry because you're not at a disadvantage because nobody by nature is a loving person. If they were, it would not be a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It would be a fruit of our upbringing. It'd be a fruit of our, um, our personalities. It'd be a fruit of our chromosomes. See, in fact, if you feel like you're not uh, a loving person by nature, you're actually better off than someone who does because uh, they may see, they may find that it's harder. They're gonna have a harder time learning how to love because they're not looking in the right resources. They're not looking for the resources in the Holy Spirit. They, they just see it as something they can do on their own. They don't see the resources in that Holy Spirit. They don't see the vertical aspect of learning how to love in that way. The Holy Spirit is the first symptom, the vertical symptom to the miracle of love. The second symptom of the miracle of love is faith. First, Holy Spirit, second, faith. See, it says in James chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And moving to verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. See, our spiritual conversion, you know, our, our, our conversion is more than just an agreed upon set of beliefs. Yes, yes, we believe that Jesus, um, Jesus came, was crucified, and then he died. And, and, and on the third day, he, he rose from the dead. But Jesus calls us to follow in a life path that leads beyond a set of beliefs. He calls us to lead um, a life path that, that leads to a compassionate way of life, that leads to a, a loving way of life, a serving way of life. See, what connects us with Jesus so that the salvation that he accomplished becomes our own is faith. It's trusting his forgiveness. It's banking on his promises and cherishing our relationship, our friendship with him. Let's look at Galatians 5, verse 6. 
In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. See, in the Old Testament, <clears throat> circumcision was a, a physical requirement to receive salvation. But the New Covenant uh, says this is of no concern because, as we know, by grace and faith, we are saved. By grace and faith, we are saved. But what makes verse 6 so remarkable when we see this is that the faith that connects us with Jesus, that connects us with Jesus and receives his approval and his justification, is faith that works through love. In other words, it's a kind of faith that, that proves its reality by by producing love. It's a faith that produces love. It's that, that horizontal aspect of the miracle of love. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't do it. But without faith, we, we produce love with our faith. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Mike Slaughter says it perfectly. He says, what is love ultimately? It's the perfect intersection of the divine intervention with the human initiative. The stuff that miracles are made of. See, we have to trust the Holy Spirit. We have to trust the Holy Spirit, and we have to understand God's love for us is, is endless. It's boundless. Then we get to step out in faith. We get to step out into faith, into the miracles God has for others through us. That is the miracle of love. Church, I have a story for you this morning. Um, uh, four and a half months ago, um, when my daughter Langdon was born, um, Libby and I, uh, we, we would walk the halls of the, of the hospital um, in her bassinet with Langdon in her bassinet. Um, it helped Libby, you know, it helped Libby with recovery, get moving and stuff, but it was also nice to get out of that room, <laughs> like you're in that, you know, for a long time, so it was nice just to get out and walk the halls, but when we would walk, um, we really didn't see many people, you know, we saw a few um, nurses and those kind of things, and we'd do a short hi, hello, that type of thing, but one day we were walking, and um, a door sprung open, okay, and a man was coming out quickly, and um, he was smiling ear to ear. He was, he was ecstatic. And uh, as Libby and I both said hello, uh, he responded with, hey, hey, I have this, I just have a daughter. I have this beautiful baby girl. I have this baby. And he, man, he was excited, as you can tell. Like, this is like, he was so pumped. And so we congratulated him, and uh, we helped him find the waiting room because he didn't know which way he was going. Um, but the thing about this man, through his excitement, through all those things, uh, we, we noticed that his clothes were dirty. Um, his, his hair was a mess. His, his whole body, he was dirty from head to toe. Um, you could tell he probably came from a low income. He probably has food insecurities. And he might have other struggles as well. But, but even though with his situation, no matter what, he was overjoyed, like with excitement for this precious little girl. And so my heart immediately was warmed. You know, I, I thought the Holy Spirit really spoke to me in that moment and said, Cord, you may be in this situation, but there's so many people going through the same situation, same, same part of life, but they have different circumstances. They, they are going through different things than you. But through that, you still have this connection. And so I felt he, he, he was warming my heart for people that I felt I may not have a connection with. I may know nothing about, but still was able to love them. So about three weeks after, um, we had settled in at home, and 
life was normalizing as much as it could uh, with a newborn. Um, but uh, we were in our weekly church staff meeting, and uh, Justine Geiger um, was telling us about a family who has a three-week-old um, baby, a two, three-week-old baby. And uh, that, that family actually goes to Parkview uh, Mission for weekly meals. Uh, they go for clothes and other supplies as well as they need them. They didn't have much or anything at all to, to, take, to take care of the baby. Um, the hospital gave them a car seat um, so they could be discharged, and that's actually where the baby slept. He would bring the baby into Parkview, and he'd show this baby off. Uh, he would show it off to Justine. He'd show it off to pretty much anyone who, who would see this, his bundle of joy. He was so excited. He would tell them all about her. So as Justine is telling us about them, um, I could feel God giving me a little nudge to help, you know, the little Holy Spirit doing something. And he was reminding me of this other man that we met in the hospital who probably came from the same scenario. Um, so I texted Libby first uh, with like a short description. I said, hey, this is what's going on. And so she immediately started putting things together. Uh, we let our life group know and about the situation and over 20 to 30 people immediately stepped up. Um, we had donated clothes, supplies, diapers, money to buy them a pack and play. Uh, within an hour, we had more than enough to give to this family. So Libby and I went to Parkview um, either the next day or the next week, um, and I dropped off the donated items to the family. Um, they were so excited. Uh, they were appreciative of the blessing that we were laying on them. Uh, you could tell they, they needed it, and they were, they were excited for that. They could tell they were being blessed. So as I met him and his wife, um, I knew I recognized the man's face, but I couldn't remember um, from where. And so as Libby left, um, Libby caught a glimpse of him, and uh, she immediately knew. That was the man we met in the hospital. And uh, as we both started crying, um, with tears of, of wonder and, and, and joy and, and wow, um, we knew that he was so excited before. We remembered how excited he was, and we could tell we were making an impact on his life and that little girl's life. See, God had been working. He'd been working in this situation for weeks. He warmed my heart for people who, who didn't have much, who live different lives than I, and, but still have the joy of their gifts of children. See, the Holy Spirit was the divine intervention into opening my eyes to people going through the same life change as me. I may not even listen. I may not bat an eye, but I may not even jump to action but when I heard about his excitement, I couldn't do anything but help. See, I had the human initiative, yes, because God was working through me. This wasn't my doing. It was his. It was not for my glory. It is for his glory. See, church, God doesn't just do miracles on his own. Uh, yes, he could snap his fingers and, and, and he could do that, but he doesn't work that way. See, he plans he, he orchestrates and he works and he orchestrates the most beautiful, beautiful acts of miracles that, that we get to experience for us so that we get to be the little pieces of miracles in others' lives as well. He orchestrates the most beautiful acts of miracles within our lives so that we can be the small piece of miracles within others. So are you willing to step out in faith? Are you ready to just love all people? And can you trust that God is going to handle the rest? If so, remember this. God, doesn't, God does this miracle of love in our lives 
but not just for us, but through us as well. Amen.